millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you, guys. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Handmade, the making podcast with real talk about materials. I'm your host, material scientist Anna Pajajski. In this episode, I talk to material scientist Shannon Nicely about synthetic diamond. This episode all came about by request from Steve Thompson, trombone player and former podcast guest on Brass, who asked for an episode on synthetic diamonds. Shortly after that, as is the way on Twitter, I was in touch with Shannon on the other side of the world and she had agreed to come on the podcast to tell me about her expertise in this unusual material. Shannon is an assistant professor at Michigan State University and as you'll hear in this episode, her work has centred on synthetic diamond. Not sure what that means? Well, keep listening. I started by asking Shannon the story of how she came to work with synthetic diamonds. That's actually an interesting question. So I did my, my undergrad here at Michigan State and I had uh, started uh, working in um, in organics photovoltaics for the first year that mm-hmm. I was a, a, a PhD student. And then the professor that I was working with uh, moved universities. And so I was given some hard choices and decided to uh, switch groups and completely restart my research in order to keep the, the, the coursework I'd already done. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started working with a professor here who was doing synthetic diamond growth. And the the idea uh, behind that was, so I'm an electrical engineer. Um, oh, okay. The idea was to, to, to make uh, very high power uh, switches out of diamond. And wow. uh, which diamond is a, is a really exceptional material in a lot of ways. Uh, it can hold uh, extremely high voltages across, uh, across two, two points on the, uh, you know, as a, as a diode as a circuit element. Uh, so you could do uh, pretty incredible things with it if we could get these very large switching uh, diodes uh, functioning. Mm. Like you could, uh, a lot of the, the circuitry in a car that for like hybrid, uh, hybrid power, for example, you have like AC to DC conversion. Uh, and if you, and that is a very lossy process that requires cooling in order to keep uh, silicon or silicon carbide, which is the materials that those uh, devices are currently made out of, uh, within like the operating uh, region that doesn't break those devices. Mm. If you were able to make those out of diamond instead, you could hold back uh, a much larger voltage that you were switching. 
uh, as well as not needing the cooling circuitry because it would operate at much higher temperatures very happily. So that was sort of like the motivation for what I was doing for my PhD. And uh, in order to do that, I ended up building a reactor that uh, because uh, the reactor that we had was really good for um, for one type of diamond, but not for but I needed, uh, you know, essentially two different types. Uh, so I ended up building a reactor during that period and then uh, applied for some postdocs and uh, moved to Belgium, where I also worked on diamond growth, uh, also for high power electronics. Um, primarily, and uh, and that was a really interesting and good experience. And then I, uh, during that time, got really interested in quantum applications of diamond. So, <laughs> diamond uh, diamond can absolutely be used as sort of like a, a host for for quantum active defects. So uh, these would be uh, something essentially like a like a qubit. So um, I don't know if you're uh, you or I guess your listeners are familiar with um, the way that, that trapped ions work. Trapped ions are a single atom um, in which you can control the state uh, of, uh, of, of an electron in that atom uh, by, by hitting it with certain laser pulses or uh, manipulating it with microwaves. And essentially what you have there is you have an isolated electronic system that's inside a non-interacting media. And the non-interacting media in that case is a vacuum and the, the isolated electronic system in that case is the, the atom itself. Uh, in diamond, what you would have is instead you would have some portion of the diamond that is has been replaced with something else. So for example, a nitrogen vacancy center is a really common one of these defects. Uh, that a very well studied one where uh, one of the carbons in so diamond is just carbon uh, and one of those carbons is removed and you put in a nitrogen and then there is an adjacent uh, site in the diamond that also should have a carbon but in this case doesn't have one and it has just a, a vacant site so that forms sort of like the um, the the isolated electronic structure and then the diamond itself is the the non interacting media like the vacuum that it's that it's in uh, so. In it, so, you know, it, it's a very different field from uh, the electrical engineering mm. background that I had, uh, but it's, uh, it's, I think it's really fascinating. And I think it's potentially going to be like a stable, uh, very like scalable platform for quantum computing in the future. If we can get uh, not just the nitrogen vacancy, but other, uh, other potential defects in diamond and, and characterize them and uh, find sort of like this you know, this sort of like Goldilocks of, mm. uh, of defects in order to, to potentially build scalable quantum computers in the future. That is all so fascinating. Um, and it really, <laughs> it's really nice because it, it sort of, um, it brings back lots of the elements of my sort of undergraduate studies. Um, I, I don't really do much, many sort of electrical properties of materials anymore. So um, all this talk of sort of vacancies and, and valences and stuff is, um, yeah, it's really, it's bringing it all home, all back to me. <laughs> um, but my, a lot of my listeners are actually um, sort of craftspeople and artists. So I'd be really interested to hear from you because when when I think the listeners think of diamonds, they'll think of um, jewellery and sort of high high value, high status, high price. Um, so I'd love to hear from you, I guess, a description of diamond, from how you see it, because you'll see it from a very different perspective from the average person. Um but yeah, bearing in mind that a lot of the listeners won't be material scientists like us. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. Yeah. Um, so if you think about earth mined diamonds as opposed to synthetically produced diamonds, 
Um, the, if you have a perfect diamond, they are completely indistinguishable. I mean, perfect diamond is is just it is carbon that is uh, that is very uh, strongly bonded to bonded to its four nearest neighbors. Um, and uh, if you think about carbon, a lot of people don't tend to think about diamond directly. They tend to mm -hmm. think about the carbon that we are uh, more familiar with at room temperature and room pressure here, like in our in our everyday world, which is which is more like coal and graphite and um, pencil lead mm -hmm. and the the kind of the kind of carbon that is that will you know that looks like soot that yeah. dyes things black, and uh, and. That, that is for very good reason. And it is that, that carbon does not want to go into a diamond lattice uh, at room temperature and room pressure. And it takes quite a lot of uh, persuading to get it to, to do so. Um, so there was a, about a hundred years of experiments uh, where as soon as it was discovered that diamond, earth mine diamond was, uh, was in fact just carbon, uh, that people tried to convert uh, coal and, uh, and and other carbon materials into uh, into diamond, and there's some really funny papers from like the, the like the late 1800s where people did crazy stuff. Like uh, they they basically made tiny bombs. Like they 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 took like these little metal capsules and put a bunch of like um, what they called a bone oil and, and right. like little bits of carbon and stuff inside of them and sealed them up and then heated them up really, really hot until they basically exploded. And then they looked inside to see if they had any diamonds. Um, and did it work? Yeah, there was even, there was even like some reports that like uh, this, uh, this one scientist who, uh, he, he was so persistent about this that one of his, uh, one of his, um, his lab assistants snuck some diamond in just to make him satisfied. <laughs> and was that published in peer-reviewed literature by any chance? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think probably. Um, I mean, that was this was like the late like eighteen hundreds. Yeah, <laughs> so, amazing. Yeah, uh, and then. But but it continued to be so. If it, when when diamond forms uh, in the earth, it forms in the mantle of the earth. Some you know more than 100 kilometers below the surface wow. where it's extremely hot and extremely high pressure and if you want to try to duplicate those conditions uh on like you know up here on the the, the surface of the earth you, you need some some really uh, heavy duty uh engineering effort and mm. and so it wasn't until like the mid-1950s when anyone actually successfully managed to to do this you need something you need like these incredibly large presses that that have these these anvils that put an incredible amount of force just on the center. Uh, I think the first one of these was um, was actually a giant belt around like these anvil presses that then the belt squeezed down and as the belt squeezed down, like then it produced sufficient pressure to actually produce diamonds. Mm. Uh, and then the modern ones will have um, about uh, I think between four and and six of these. Uh, of these different presses sort of like in a cubic or a square config configuration mm -hmm. pressing down on the center. And, and they're still, I think, incredibly dangerous machines. Like <laughs> they, they, they still will, uh, they, they still will from time to time uh, have, have issues where they basically uh, some portion of them will fly off unexpectedly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, but the, that's that's essentially high pressure, high temperature synthesis. And the so what they, they typically will do for that is they have uh, some sort of very pure carbon source, like mm -hmm. very highly purified graphite, uh, and then they they put it into um, sort of like a like a metal, like nickel, for example. And as the when the nickel melts, it sort of acts like a, um, a 
it, it, the, the, it lets the, the carbon flow through the nickel and down to the other end of this, um, this container mm-hmm. that, that's under incredibly high pressure and temperature where they have a very small seed of a diamond that then grows larger as the, as that a carbon, um, reaches it. Wow. So that's, yeah. High pressure and high temperature. But it's not the only way that you can grow synthetic diamond. Okay. Um, you would you would think like you'd have to have this incredibly high pressure, incredibly high temperature. Yeah. Uh, but you can also kind of trick it. So there there isn't um, there isn't a lot of it, it takes quite a lot of energy for diamond to actually convert back to graphite, which is why like the whole slogan "Diamonds are forever" is not incredibly uh, it was is not a lie. <laughs> Um, like, you know, although diamond doesn't necessarily want to be, uh, carbon doesn't necessarily want to be diamond at room temperature and room pressure, it's, it's relatively hard to convert it back. Mm. So you can heat it up pretty hot before it'll actually start, you know, essentially burning or turning into graphite. Mm-hmm. And if you do heat it up really hot, uh, it is possible to get uh, carbon atoms from a surrounding media, like um, uh, to, to, to hop along the surface until they find a stable point on the diamond surface and then essentially become a part of the diamond. Oh, okay. So the, the initial ways that they did this were th- where they took um, in a furnace, they took some methane and then they, they and methane is um, a carbon and four hydrogen atoms. And if you put it uh, under uh, intense uh, heat, you can break it apart into, you can break one of the, the hydrogens off and, and then it will uh, hop along on the, the diamond surface. And when it finds a diamond uh, uh, site, it will potentially stick to it and become a part of the diamond and grow bigger and bigger. Wow. Okay. Um, so you can basically, it sounds but, a bit like Lego, doesn't it? Like like if one of these little atoms will just sort of find a little slot that fits it on the surface and just like clip itself in and then become part of the diamond. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's it. And that's a really cool analogy. I like that. Yeah, it's like Lego. It finds the little <laughs> site where it can it can kind of get stuck down and then it, it, it sort of stays there. Yeah. Um, the, the real breakthrough on that was the problem is that sometimes the diamond would the, the carbon would go down not bonded well with the diamond lattice. It would go down essentially as graphite. Mm. And um the breakthrough on that was that if you did it in a, a super saturated, well, so like a very high concentration of hydrogen mm. that was also thermally activated, that that hydrogen would go, uh, would not typically, would not really remove uh, diamond bonded carbon, mm. but would remove basically all of the, the, the graphite bonded oh, carbon. Okay. So you can sort of use it as a bit of a scrubber, like the hydrogen comes along and just sort of takes away all the carbon that you don't want in the diamond. And yeah, the stuff exactly. You do. And because cool. the the yeah, because the the um the carbon doesn't stick as well if it's in graphite form, like the the bond between the the diamond and the the graphite bonded carbon mm. isn't as strong as the diamond to diamond bond. Uh, the the hydrogen only removes um the the unwanted carbon. That's so clever. So, yeah. So that is a process that's called chemical vapor deposition, or um, CVD, we call it. Um, mm-hmm. And and that is the process that I primarily work with. Ah, okay. Uh, so when you said that you built your own reactor as a was it as a PhD or a postdoc? I can't remember. Um, was that PhD. what you were building? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, in this case, what you have is like um, a big a big brass chamber, and the big brass chamber uh, it works like the way that um, musical instruments work, where you have uh, these like resonances, where you can uh, where you have like um, 
this, this resonates with a particular frequency of microwave energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the exact same uh, microwaves that you have in like your, your microwave oven at home, just because <laughs> that's a, that's a frequency that it's very easy to buy generators for. <laughs> and, um, so we, we have uh, a, a microwave uh, resonant chamber, which uh, then has inside of it certain resonance points. And we, uh, in these particular kinds of reactors, cover the bottom one of them in uh, a, a quartz dome. And then inside that quartz dome, we pump out all of the air. And then we only flow in uh, the methane and the hydrogen for, for the growth. And, and in the reactor that I built, um, actually, what we were trying to do is to grow diamond that had a little bit of boron in it. Okay. Because boron has one fewer electron than carbon does. And so it creates a space in the diamond for, uh, for, for electrons to, to flow mm. through the material, making it conductive. So you can make electrically conductive diamond. Yeah. And actually, so, you know, the Hope diamond, maybe you, uh, you've heard of this diamond. It's a, it's a huge blue diamond, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the reason that it's blue is the boron. Uh, oh, right. And, and so, actually, all of the diamonds that that I was growing were uh, were were essentially blue diamonds, right? So, as you in, as you increase the concentration of boron, you also increase the amount of blue. <laughs> yeah, up until if you have a very high concentration, it just looks quite black. But yeah, um, yeah. that's so, so cool. Uh, I was um, when I lived in Belgium. I uh, I visited the the diamond district in Antwerp. Oh yeah, and I went on one, I went on one of these like uh, these diamond tours where they'll show you like their process for cutting the diamonds and for setting the diamonds. And it sort of ends in a uh, in a, a showroom where they show you all the different kinds of diamond that they have. Nice. Uh, and there was a bunch of these that were uh, white diamonds set with a blue stone. And I said that that must be sapphire. That can't be um, that can't be blue diamond. They said, oh no. No, in your entire life, you'll never see a blue diamond. It's not in real life. <laughs> right? like, I mean, I grew tens of them. <laughs> they didn't know who they were talking to, did they? No, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So actually, that was going to be my next question for you, is what do these synthetic diamonds look like? Can you tell them apart from the stuff that comes from the ground? Yeah, so there's there's actually... Um, quite a few, uh, there's commercial reasons why companies who, who uh, have a, an investment in um, earthmined diamonds are very interested in being able to tell them apart. Sure. And, and, some of the, and some of the ways that they have uh, developed to tell them apart. Um, so one, like I, I was talking about the, the nitrogen vacancy defect before, uh, where you have a nitrogen adjacent to a missing spot in the, in the, the carbon lattice, mm. well, lattice, I mean like the, you know, the, the, the arrangement of carbon atoms mm. in the diamond, if you have that same structure, well, almost that same structure, you have a, you have a vacancy where there should be a carbon and there's another carbon missing. And in the middle of that, uh, that, that two, uh, missing spots, you have a, a silicon atom. That's called a silicon vacancy, and it's incredibly rare in earth-mined diamonds. Um, there, there are very few of these silicon vacancy type defects mm. in earth-mined diamonds. But because so many, like I was saying with the, the reactor that we built here, it has this big quartz dome. Quartz is made out of silicon and oxygen, mm. and the, the contamination from that silicon will get into the diamond, and it's very difficult to avoid inadvertently creating um, these silicon vacancy defects. And there are a number of different kinds of reactors that, that do this, but almost all of them, uh, because uh, quartz is transparent to microwaves, uh, like a lot of them will use big quartz pieces in mm. them, um, a lot of these kind of reactor designs. And so it's very difficult to get away from the silicon contamination. So uh, one way that you can usually tell a an earth-mined diamond from a, uh, a synthetically grown one is the presence of these uh, luminescent defects. So they'll put it under um, a certain light source and then they'll look at what it looks like. They have these, these, um, these little uh, systems that they call diamond view, which will <laughs> let you see like essentially all of the defects and, and give you an impression of whether or not it is a, so in order to let you very quickly sort which are mm. earth-mined diamonds and which are synthetic diamonds, if that's um, of interest for for your your jewelry related applications and so forth. Ah, interesting. On the synthetic diamond side, like yeah. in terms of wanting to use diamond for high power electronics or wanting to use it for um, for for potential like quantum qubit hosting applications, like uh, what we want is repeatability. Uh, mm. Like we don't want to have to search through, um, you know all of the diamonds that have ever been mined out of the earth, we want to be able to repeatedly make the same exact diamond over and over and over again. You know, the, the, the thing that uh, a lot of people who are involved in like the jewelry industry will say is that diamond is so rare and diamond is so, so you know, each one is its own unique uh, fingerprint and has its own unique properties. And that is exactly the opposite of what, <laughs> of what industrial applications want from yeah. their diamond. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't want it to be unique. We don't want it to be rare. We want it to be something that is, that is repeatable and, and uh, exactly the properties that we were hoping to find in it. Mm. And to do that, you can't rely on nature to make your diamonds for you. No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and we are able to make them uh, in some ways more pure than what you can, especially unless you're looking at like the, you know, the one in a million, one in a billion diamond out of the, out of the earth. Like we, we are able to make them um, 
much, much more pure uh, in some ways than, mm-hmm. than what you can find in earth mine stones, because again, they're very rare, right? True. So um, we, we are able then to control those properties very, very well, mm-hmm. which I think does pose eventually quite an issue for people who want to continue to keep value for earth mine stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, as I said before, um, if you have a stone that is perfect, out of the earth or a stone that is perfect out of a, a man-made reactor. Like these are, they are indistinguishable. It mm-hmm. is just a perfect uh, arrangement of carbon atoms. So. <laughs> which um, sort of leads me to my next question, which is to ask you your thoughts on the sort of societal value of diamonds. You know, it's, it's certainly in certain cultures, such an important material in terms of its symbolism um, and its marketing and its history. Um, I guess I'm interested in what you think about that as someone for whom diamond is an everyday material that you see all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that it um, the value that people put onto it is a value. I, I, in my mind, synthetic diamonds are not really competing with earth mined diamonds for that version of value. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that earth mine diamonds are not competing with synthetic diamonds for that version of value. Mm. Um, if really all you want is a stone that doesn't scratch very well, that looks really pretty when light hits it, like sure, a synthetic diamond is is exactly what you're hoping for. Mm. Um, if what you want is a, a diamond that was formed in the mantle of the earth like millions of years ago, like a synthetic diamond is not what you're looking for. Sure. Um, I think for me, I would be perfectly happy with uh, with diamonds that are with ju- diamond jewelry that was grown in in a lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's there's also a lot of um, this uh, sort of marketing around the fact that that it is impossible that these stones were were uh, created in conflict. Um, yep. That they are they are absolutely conflict free unless there was like a big fl- fight in the lab that day. Like <laughs> there there is no there is no possibility that it's supporting sure. uh, the kinds of um, the kinds of uh, geopolitical events that people mm. would not be pleased to be supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that is that a part of the marketing of synthetic diamonds? Like, what is the market for synthetic diamond jewelry, and and is that one route that they go down to sell it? Right. I think that it is a complex process for the companies that are producing synthetic diamond. Um, there is a division of De Beers, which is the the very large. A uh, company that controls a great deal of earth mine diamond capabilities, mm. um, and they it, w- the company is called Element Six or E Six, which is a division of of De Beers uh, that does only synthetic diamonds, mm-hmm. and they have a spin out of that division called Lightbox that now produces um, uh, fancy colored diamonds. Okay. Of, um, so, so pink diamonds, which is actually uh, nitrogen vacancy centers. Like I said before, they, mm-hmm. they, if you have a sufficient quantity of them, they actually turn the diamond a very pretty pink. Um, and if you turn, if you have a, a very large quantity of them, they turn the diamond like red. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, it is a, what they call a color center. It actually changes the color of the diamond. Yeah. Um, they also produce blue diamonds uh, and uh, like a baby, a very pretty baby blue, which is not the same as the blue that you get from the Boron Dovering mm-hmm. um, and, and, and other fancy, the yellow colors uh, from, from nitrogen content. Um, they, they produce these like fancy colored stones. And uh, I think that the way that they are pushing the marketing on that is that it is, they, there's a lot of emphasis on it not being a quote unquote real diamond, uh, right. that it is 
that it is more appropriate for like a 16th birthday, uh, like a sweet yeah. 16 or like a, like a diamond that, a that you could wear around the house while you were doing cleaning and not worrying about, um, losing it because mm-hmm. it doesn't have the same value. Um, there, there's a lot of emphasis on, on it being, um, a, a lower quality product, okay. which is a very interesting strategy for, for a diamond manufacturer to take. I think yeah. I, I understand why they would, uh, what would want to, to push it in that direction. Um, mm. And also if this is De Beers, they've already got the top end of the market. So this is just them exploring the, the bottom end, the lower value end of their own market <laughs> that they're already dominant in. Right. And I think that as synthetics have become more and more dominant in the, in the market, as they become more prevalent, they, um, I think they wanted to take control of the marketing of it. Right. To say um, this is a product that is not appropriate for uh, an engagement stone for for people who want to, you know, who want to become engaged with a diamond ring. This is this is something that is appropriate for for teenagers and for mm. as a an mm. everyday piece that you would wear, not as a you know, not to mark significant life events. Sure. So I, 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 yeah, I think that they, their, their strategy on that is quite clever and that they are trying to, to push it in that direction. But mm. from, from like, from my perspective, uh, like as somebody who grows diamond, not for gemstone applications, uh, but you know, as uh, for scientific research, like it, it's, it's pretty inconsequential, but the, that element six, uh, the company that, that spun this light box company out, um, they have been involved in uh, a really large amount of the 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 you know the groundbreaking quantum research mm. on diamond, and I, I think that they are a very good partner in that. I think they also want that. They want for diamond to have industrial applications, and um, they they are absolutely like there's this division of them who are dealing with the gemstone issues but there's also this division that's dealing with the you know synthetic diamond for real industrial applications mm. um i've uh, visited their factory and they uh they have these high pressure high temperature um uh, reactors and they primarily use those stones uh as cutting bits in uh in drills for like the oil industry like uh mm. or trying to, to to do drilling in general um and like they have these these cute they, they have like a, a a mountain it seems like of these gigantic uh um marble blocks that they have in order to test the the quality of the diamond just drilled huge holes through <laughs> like wow really <laughs> yeah pretty pretty incredible that's um, amazing and yeah and and most of the the synthetic diamonds that are produced are not used for um for gemstone applications. Sure. They are mostly used for things like cutting applications because diamond is so hard. Mm. Um, mm. So, and there's a, a, you know, a very small percentage of them that then go off as well to scientific applications for mm. the kind of work that, that I've been doing with them. Yeah. Diamond is such a funny material, isn't it? Because the way that we are thinking of it as material scientists as is as this material that is so it's got all of these kind of superlative materials properties like it's the hardest material um you were talking earlier about it's kind of amazing uh quantum properties and um sort of semiconducting properties all of these really interesting electrical electrically conductive um react uh properties really i suppose um and so to think of it so, so there's that side of it. And then it's the other side of the, the, the kind of cultural stuff and the um, 
the the societal value is like you say completely removed really um, and I'm interested as someone who works at the industrial and scientific end do you just think of this as a material like any other material that you would work with in the lab and be interested in researching or is there that element of the societal stuff that comes in I think that there is a certain amount of magic when you first start <laughs> that, right. because because you've been raised in a culture that values it as something that is so rare and so um, so highly valued for for non-scientific reasons. Mm. There's a certain amount of that like, um, oh, you know, mysticism about the whole thing. Yeah. And then I, I do think that after several years that kind of does wear off. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they, they sort of they sort of just are your samples and sure. you know, um, yeah, that, that kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, and, and I think that that also the we as a society realize that diamond is beautiful. I mean, it has as material scientists, we know that that's because it has a very high index of refraction. And <laughs> yeah. so light light bounces around inside of a cut diamond a number of times before it escapes. And so it seems to glow almost from that that light bouncing around inside. Um, Whereas uh, in terms of quantum applications, that's a very annoying property. Like it would be, really, it's it's very difficult to get light out. So if you if you want to to get um, one, yeah, <laughs> you have to do all kinds of engineering in order to get the light out of the diamond. Right. But it is just such a superlative material for so many reasons. Mm. Um, it also has the highest thermal conductivity of any room temperature material. Yes. Yeah. Like, so you can use it for, for heat spreaders, for example, right. like if you want to get um, anything that you cool, you could cool it more efficiently if the fins on your heat spreader were made of diamond. Mm. Um, and so a lot of uh, really high power switching applications uh, that are with other materials uh, that are a little bit more, uh, a little bit further down the, the pipeline of, of development are now also talking about potentially uh, incorporating diamond just to spread the heat from the devices. Uh, it, it's also biologically compatible. So oh, really? You, yeah, yeah. So you can you can put diamond. Uh, I mean, it's it's just very firmly bonded carbon. Right. But you can you can put diamonds into, for example, if you get diamonds that are extraordinarily small, nano diamonds they call them. Mm. Um, you can actually host inside these nano diamonds these like nitrogen vacancy centers. And put these nanodiamonds into living cells, and they've shown that you can use this as like a, you, almost like a thermometer. Um, you what? can measure, or as a, or to measure magnetic fields. Like the the electronic structure of those of those defects allow you to to ask very specific questions about the local environment of that defect. Oh, that's so amazing! It's really cool. Um, uh, as well, like they, the the hardness of them makes them really great for things like. Um, scalpels that never uh that mm -hmm. never dull um and uh it's very transparent to a very wide range of uh of 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 light so all the way from like the ir up to the uv mm. you can use diamond then uh, if you have very high quality diamond you can use diamond as like a window for a laser mm -hmm. uh, like in the uv um and just just incredible applications uh, for 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 diamond, just because it's not only um, it's not only pretty, it's also like 
it's incredible the number of applications that that it seems to have. Yeah, for sure. Um, so will we see yeah. more synthetic diamonds, do you think, in the future? I suppose a lot of the applications we've talked about are quite industrial and scientific, but will will the everyday person be able to... Will, will we start interacting more within, with synthetic diamonds, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. Uh, I think as the technology moves forward for, for heat spreading, for example, you'll start to see diamond be incorporated more and more into chips that are in, you, you probably won't notice, mm. like, uh, but it will, it will become more prevalent in products that you interact with. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think that uh, as the growth technology moves forward, we'll, we'll start to see more and more uh, synthetic diamonds on the market for jewelry kind of applications. Mm. Um, if, if that's, you know, something that people have interest in and it does seem as though they do you know the the synthetic diamonds are every every bit as beautiful even if they don't have the same historical uh significance for people so i i think it depends largely on the what what happens with the marketing of those products in the future mm. well that's um, always been the case for diamond right like it's it's right. all been made by marketing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Why is it that we assume that in order to get married, you have to exchange a ring with a diamond in it? Well, it's because De Beers was incredibly effective. And, mm -hmm. you know, how else can three months salary last forever? <laughs> that kind of a, <laughs> that, that kind of, that kind of excellent marketing work that they've done. Um, sure. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that we will see more and more um, diamonds in the future. And mm. uh, It's just, there is such an incredibly wide range of potential applications for it. Um, yeah, which will keep you busy in your research by the sounds of it. <laughs> that's my hope, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, hope for, I hope to have a, a number of years of, of really good research um, on Amazing. diamonds. Oh, well, really good luck with that. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you come up with in the future. Um, if, if listeners have been interested to hear about synthetic diamonds and they want to find out more, is there, is there anywhere sort of online that you can recommend that they can maybe go and see some of them or read up more about it? Oh, that's a, I mean, that's an excellent question. Um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, uh, Shannon S nicely, N I C L E Y, um, is my handle. Um, you can also look at the, the Fraunhofer Center here at MSU, where we, we do a lot of uh, diamond growth. Uh, it is the Fraunhofer Center Midwest. Um, and I can send you a, a link for that. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Search for CMW um, or, or at MSU generally. Mm -hmm. uh, we we have, have some information and some, some pictures of the synthetic diamonds that we grow here uh, on the web. Or um, I think you can also get quite a lot of that information from Element 6, E6, mm -hmm. I think e6.co.uk, but maybe I'm wrong. Cool. Um, and they, they they have quite a lot of pictures of their products and their synthetic diamonds up. Amazing. So, yeah, thank you so much for chatting to me today about synthetic diamonds. We've had other diamond experts on the show, um, but never one from the scientific side. So it's been really nice to sort of fill in that gap with you. Thank you so much for the invitation. I really enjoyed it. So that was the wonderfully knowledgeable Shannon Nicely on all things Synthetic Diamond. Thanks so much to her for coming on the podcast. A reminder that my book, Handmade, A Scientist's Search for Meaning Through Making, is out now. You can order it on hardback online, you can find it in good bookshops, and you can also get hold of Kindle copies and the audiobook version online as well. Let me know what you think of the book or just say hi to me on social media. I'm at Anna Pajajski. And for this podcast, that is all 
all. So feel free to like and subscribe to us on all of the usual podcasting places. You can say hello via social media on Twitter. We're at Real Talk. That's R-I-A-L Talk. And on Instagram at Handmade Pod. If you would like to support the podcast with a one-time financial donation to help keep us going, you can do so at supporter.acast.com forward slash handmade. Huge thanks to everyone who's done so already and a big thanks as well to Alex Lathbridge for the music mix. Next week I'll be talking to artist and designer Frances Priest about her work with ceramics. So until then, take very good care and I'll look forward to speaking to you next time on Handmade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.